So in the preacher's life, there are passages that are easy to preach about. There are passages that sort of preach themselves. There are passages which tend to be very challenging. And then there's this passage from the book of Proverbs. <laughs> A capable wife who can find. Oh dear. Comments and chatter, even this morning up at the sanctuary, someone said, I think there was a Marvel comic book written about her. <laughs> Super wife, right? And another comment was, are you going to preach on that? Really? <laughs> I think it helps us, it helps us to not forget, which we tend to do, and that's our Protestant heritage. Our, our Protestant heritage tends to take things way too seriously. But we tend to forget, we tend to forget the Jewish sense of humor, and particularly the ancient Hebrew sense of humor. And I have a very clear image of a wise teacher sitting amongst men of the village who do what men do in patriarchal societies. They get together and they talk about the weather and how they're doing and they like to complain about their wives. Unbeknownst to them, of course, the women are getting together over here and complaining about their husbands, right? Right? You, you all don't do that, do you? No, no, of course not. And so the wise teacher is sitting among the men and he smiles wisely and somewhat wryly and says, oh yes, a capable wife who can find. And then he just blows their expectations sky high with the ideal, which of course no woman in the world could meet. As a woman once said to me, I'd like her as a wife. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because the wise teacher knows that many of a marriage has faltered on unrealistic expectations. Which as a mentor in my wife, a mentor in my life once said, you know, what, what are unrealistic expectations about? Well, you can, you can reclassify them as planned resentments, actually, right? That's what unrealistic expectations are about. So that's one level of reading this passage. But the other level is more profound, and I think it's why it was included in Scripture. This is the final appendix of, I think, five appendices that are tacked on to the end of the book of Proverbs. This is the capstone, and its concluding verses are the key. The author sees in this passage this ideal expectation Another depiction of Lady Wisdom, that enigmatic figure who has come up over and over again in the book of Proverbs, and who many scholars agree is actually a manifestation of the divine at work in our midst. Drawing us, yes, towards ideals, not just wives, but husbands too, but also to disclose that God is at work in our midst in the everyday and that we are called, we are summoned to lead lives of wisdom. I made the mistake, it's amazing after 10 years, I still make this mistake of coming back here from a pastoral visit at about 2.50 in the afternoon. Right? 
Church of Our Savior has been on this corner for 123 years, but at 2.50 in the afternoon, anybody who lives in this neighborhood or who knows Mill Valley well or who has children in the school district here knows this place becomes a madhouse. There is no place to park. And I look up into the windows of all these SUVs and see stressed parents and they're in a hurry to pick up or drop off their kids and you can, you sort of, you sort of see this, um, display behind the eyeballs going of, okay, so 3.30 soccer, 4.30 ballet, 5, you, you get the picture, right? Right? And so this place is just filled with stress and a lot of righteous indignation at about 2.50 in the afternoon. How dare you take that space? That was my space. Or my little beef this week was, why are you turning this into a four-way stop? You have the right of way. Go! <laughs> right? Ladle right? that onto the, the, the stuff going on in the political arena in this, in this country this week. And, and you see a level of discourse that is, is frankly pathetic. It's awful. The way we view each other, the way we treat each other, the way we talk about one another leaves so much to be desired. And it's to that I think our lessons today speak most wholeheartedly. The author of James is writing to a community, an early Christian community that is clearly in deep conflict. And he's pointing out the underlying problem. And that is, you are no different, as I said a couple of weeks ago, than the rest of the world. No different. You covet what each other has. You're in competition with one another. You're trying to figure out who's on first, and who's going to get there, and how you're going to usurp somebody else from their place. You've set up a pecking order. This is not the way of Christ, he says. And instead, he plants the flag of wisdom in their midst, this appeal for a life of compassion, for a life of self-offering, for a peaceable, gentle life, something that we are all called to aspire to. Mark depicts it even more pithily and more directly and in some ways with a real sense of humor Jesus is on that dusty road with his disciples and he's telling them where that road is going to take them. To the cross. And his disciples can't hear the message. You know, I, I like to say Mark is sometimes like Jesus in the Three Stooges. You know, you could title it that way. The disciples are always buffoons. They, they, they don't get it. They can't get it. They won't get it. Of course, what Mark is saying to us and to the early Christian community as well is, is, but you get it. But you get it. We know that about you. But the disciples are like us in that they are caught up in the moment and they are caught up in the ways of the world, the ways of competition, the ways of argumentation, the ways of putting themselves first. And it's like a baseball game, you know? Who's on first? Who's at home plate? Who's up to bat? And sure enough, we want to know who's the umpire. And if nobody else wants to take it, I, I'd be happy to be umpire. Thank you very much. Right? Right? 
Jesus does something that he very rarely does. He puts an embodied parable right in front of his followers. It's not just a story. It is a person. And in this case, it is a child. In Jesus' day, the children were no greater than women were treated, basically as chattel. Children were only as valuable as they could contribute to the economic life of the household or be sold off into marriage. And so, for his disciples, the child really represents nothing except a life of fragility and humility among the most vulnerable in their midst. And in that moment, in that wisdom teaching, Jesus says, be like this child and serve others as you would be attentive to this child. In doing so, you will be attentive to me. Jesus is asking his followers and us to put down the ways of power and control and our calendars and our schedules and our ongoing busyness and our obsession with it for just long enough to recognize the life that we have been offered, a life of compassion, a life of gentleness, a life of self-offering, a life of truly listening and seeing each other, even in those busy and stressful times. A life where we are called to be of service to one another rather than always in head-to-head competition. To set our side, our striving, so that we can see the reality of God's love at work in our midst and in our relationships. And it is for that that we remain here after 123 years. Society has gone on. The world has changed. And yet, in some ways, the world has not changed. It is still that life of competition and power and how are we going to get where we want to go out there But here we offer an alternative, a life of wisdom, a life of gentleness, a life of hope, a life of service, a life of compassion. And to espouse ourselves to that image of Lady Wisdom, which is simply yet another image of God at work in our midst. To offer ourselves and take in that word, and then to take it forth to a world that so desperately needs it. A world that so desperately needs it, it doesn't often realize it needs it, but we are there to be that wise presence. And in doing so, be agents for change. Change for God's kingdom. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community 
for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.